Hello, 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 beautiful people, and welcome to this week's episode of the Watchlist Burn Book. Whoop whoop. Um, this week, we're going to be covering something that I'm really excited about, and I hope you guys are going to go check out later if you have not seen it yet. But um, we're going to be discussing the 2020 Netflix series Feel Good. Um, now, this is a little bit bit different than like most series out there and we're going to talk about that a little bit later but it is written and led by may martin who is a canadian comedian and this is her first foray into scripted television which is good because this is a very good series yeah this is amazing y'all are gonna hear that repeatedly throughout the episode Mm -hmm. but let the record show amazing (laughs) fantastic unlike anything i've ever seen (laughs) Um, to start off our talk we are going to dive into our list of people we love um topping this list who is it's someone that i think is like easily my favorite person in the entire show and probably that i've seen out there is phil George's flatmate. He's so funny. (laughs) So funny. His line delivery is incredible. (laughs) (laughs) Even from like the first scene um, where George and May just like stumble upon him really awkwardly as they're making out and he's holding, I think he's holding a plant. I don't remember exactly, but May asks, like, are you okay? And he just goes, I have depression. Just like, and then we keep going. I'm like, yep. It's so funny. It is so funny. It's completely deadpan, like, without missing a beat. It's so good. He also is just like, in in the weirdest way, but also kind of in the best way becomes like this really great source of support mm-hmm. for both may and george like his ridiculous line delivery is complimented against like the fact that he's the only one with any sense in this show you know um everybody eventually ends up coming to him with their problems and then he in the best way without like being like snooty about it he pretty much tells everyone how to fix things yeah it's valuable it's valuable in this series where everyone is a mess (laughs) (laughs) yeah and he's like he's protective of his friends too Mm -hmm. um i keep thinking back to the scene where um i think this is in like episode two or three um but when george goes away to the wedding and may is just kind of left to figure out what to do without her for a weekend um and she gets locked out of the house and her phone's inside and she's at nick's club and just phil finds her after a super panicked phone call from george um and it's just you know really supportive he even like talks to nick about not bringing coke around um Mm -hmm. and not in a way that's like really embarrassing or super invasive just being like hey 
don't do that. <laughs> Watch it. Yeah. You know? Um, and it, it was nice to see. I mean, Meg ends up having multiple people in her corner throughout the show, but it was nice to see Phil just kind of step up. Oh, from like day one. Like, May shows up and Phil is immediately in her corner. Yeah. And in George's too, even though she's she's so mean to him sometimes. <laughs> yeah. She did not speak to him until May moved in and then May started talking to him. <laughs> But, like, he still, he cares about George so much. And then when she and May break up at the end and he tries to get her a puppy, but then all the puppies look like May, so he gets her a bucket (laughs) of worms to talk to. (laughs) Which is ridiculous, but it's still so wholesome. Yeah, he's just, he's a little sweet. Sweet man. Mm -hmm. And on the other end of the spectrum... (laughs) (laughs) We have our second fave, Lava. Um, uh, the icon. Iconic. No filter. Unapologetic. Perfect in every way. Yeah, really perfect. Absolutely gorgeous. Um, mm-hmm. Was in love with her from the moment she stepped foot onto the screen. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um <laughs> She's beautiful and she's a caterer. Like, she's a really good cook. <laughs> Let's flag that. Yeah. Ideal. At first I thought she was an artist. And then I realized, like, oh, no, no. You do events. Mm-hmm. Um, which is still really cool. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, I really liked getting to see her and Maggie's relationship both develop and fall apart mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just sad to say yeah it's um, tragic but uh yeah like watch that journey with the two of them um especially when may comes over and the three of them hang out for a night like i re- I, re- I thought that that was sweet um especially when you can see even though we don't spend too much time seeing the two of them truly on their own, but you can see Maggie and Lava making strides toward forming a relationship Mm -hmm. that is different from what they've had in the past. Mm -hmm. And it's so well done too. Like, even though we only get to see, we only get to see two scenes with them together and yeah. it's like when May goes over to their house for that sleepover. <laughs> and then um, when Lava's waiting outside with the cake for her mom at the end, or close to the end. Um, but like, there's e- that brief scene when Lava's in the NA meeting, too. That's right. She is there for a hot second. Um, and like, even like with those tiny, like, little scenes and then only hearing tidbits when the other characters talk to each other and like that topic is brought up, like even though we don't have a lot of material in that journey, like we do still see Lava and her mom growing fond of each other again. And mm-hmm. it's like really well done. So good job, May Martin. But, <laughs> <laughs> but like, it's still, it's still very beautiful to see May Martin knocked it out of the park. <laughs> Um, especially with our next person on the list, um, 
Her name is Karen. Uh, and she is the compulsive liar. Uh, All caps TM. <laughs> nobody is doing it better than Karen. Um, she really is so funny. She is so funny. She is so funny. She comes up with the most ridiculous things, too. And, like, <laughs> I still, I think about her plot twist all the time. Because, <laughs> <laughs> um, like, she's a compulsive liar. And she's in um, the support, it was, like, the Narcotics Anonymous support group mm-hmm. um, with May and Maggie and, like, a handful of other people. And... Like, everybody just knows that she's a compulsive liar, this, that, and the other thing. And then it's later revealed that she doesn't even use narcotics. She completely lied about it. (laughs) (laughs) Which, like, if you... Which neither of us did, but, like, if you pick up on it, then you can assume, you know, that she's probably lying about the drug use as well but i just i i was completely shocked i had no idea (laughs) i could not pick up on that at all (laughs) i had to pause the show when that happened (laughs) which honestly like props to may for figuring it out because um i did not Mm -hmm. at all i wonder if david knew and he just that's actually a good question i don't know I feel like he didn't, given that May was the one that came up with a lot of, like, the realizations in that support group. I yeah. I don't know if David would have realized. Yeah, probably not. Yeah, because May was the one to talk about addiction beyond substance, mm-hmm. which was, like, a, a huge thing for a lot of them. And I think people watching the show, too. Which I think is a good, it's a good point. Um, mm-hmm. Addiction is not just about substances. It can be about behaviors. It can be about relationships. A lot of things, mm-hmm. really. Mm-hmm. Um, which May, the character, and also May, the person, <laughs> talk about a lot. Yeah, which our next person on our list is May anyway. <laughs> And I think that, like, that is one of the reasons why May is on our People We Love list. Just, I, like, watching her arc over the, I guess the character's arc over the whole show. It's very, it's very difficult to watch it and, like, not get really emotionally attached to her. Mm -hmm. And, like, follow her through all of the, like, especially the realization that she is, in not using coke she's becoming like she's addicted to other things i.e george and any of her other ex-relationships um and coffee and grapes and maggie (laughs) (laughs) and everything else that comes up um but i don't know i i think about um her ability to make that realization halfway through the show often it was very it was very well done i think that was a very major point in her arc yeah, I would definitely agree. And someone else I care deeply about in this show is Maggie. <laughs> oh God, I love her so much. From the second she shows up, I am I am there. <laughs> My caffeine queen. Mm-hmm. She goes back into the kitchen and is like fixing the coffee at that cafe. <laughs> yeah. And it's clearly not the first time she's done that too. 
she's just like shut up anyway um yeah in all of her classes like <laughs> she's constantly going to that falconry class and yeah. is inviting everybody to it i which i love uh yeah i really loved maggie and for many of the reasons that we talked about with lava but also just as a person um i think she's as weird as their relationship is toward the beginning i think that she's a really good friend for me mm-hmm. um yeah because she one because she understands differently than you know the other people in may's life her parents george she understands what it's like to be an addict to lose your family to just have all of this judgment and scorn and scrutiny placed against you mm-hmm. um and i think she recognizes that may really needs somebody there mm-hmm. who understands her um and yeah i just i really appreciated maggie for being such a nice person mm-hmm. and just so kind um and like even even at the end when maggie decides to cut off may because she indirectly ruined <laughs> maggie's relationship yeah. with her daughter um I don't know. Like, I, I'm still really proud of Maggie for making that decision. Yeah. Given her history with just latching on to things. I, I thought that was, like, really powerful to, to decide and do that. Yeah, especially because we get to, I mean, obviously it would make sense how much getting your child back in your life would mean to you. But, like, we really see how much having Lava back in her life mm-hmm. really shifted things for Maggie. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and just gave her, not to say that she didn't have a purpose already, because her purpose was getting her relationship back with Lava. Um, but yeah, it just like, I really liked that moment too, seeing her just decide like, you know, I can't continue to have this relationship with you mm-hmm. when you've helped damage one that was important to me. Mm-hmm. And the last person who's on our people we love list is another parent. Um, <laughs> it's Malcolm, May's dad. Um, we only get to see him. We we rarely get to see him up until they go on that trip to bury the cat. Yeah. Um, and like up until that point, I didn't really like him because he would just sort of, I mean, he would be on like the FaceTime calls and then he would duck out anytime there was conflict between May and her mother, um, which is understandable. Mm-hmm. But um, I I really like that we got to see the depth of his relationship with May, but then also his relationship with May's mother during that whole trip. Yeah, I really liked the episode where we got to physically meet her parents um, because it explained a lot of the questions that I had about all of the tension and like weird distance, um, mm-hmm. especially like his decisions to just kind of flit in and out. <laughs> um, like I, I understood a lot more once you could see the whole family together. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I appreciated him 
being so understanding of literally everybody because he while he wasn't always the best at taking sides he he definitely understood and took the time to consider what everybody else was feeling um which may and her mom don't always do mm-hmm. for each other mm-hmm. um so seeing him as like a middle ground and also just seeing him bond with george was very sweet too oh, that was so cute everything they did together was adorable yeah i liked him he was he's very soft okay for our next segment um You've probably expected it because, you know, this section always follows the ones we love. This is the people that we hate in the show. And there aren't a lot, but boy, do they exist. These are Um, some strong contenders. mm -hmm. Some pretty strong contenders. (laughs) The first person that we've got on our list, uh, her name is Binky. And uh, she is, I guess you could call her George's best friend. She's not nice. Like, I <laughs> I just, <laughs> she's really mean. And I didn't even like her in, like, the, like, first five minutes of the show where May's on stage and you see George, like, paying attention to her set and Binky's just, on Candy Crush. Mm-hmm. And gets called out. <laughs> yeah, and then has the audacity to get mad at May for being like, can you please not do that in the middle of my set? At least in dead center in the front. Yeah, it's so obvious. She did not hide it. Yeah, so I hate Binky for like two very <laughs> specific reasons. <laughs> and one of them kind of involves Hugh, who is also on our list. Um hmm. Um, but the first one is um, the fact that Hugh and Binky got engaged at someone else's wedding. <laughs> yeah. And that is like a huge pet peeve of mine. And I know that isn't like entirely Binky's fault. Um, but I don't know. Her continuation of like upstaging the whole wedding kind of rubbed me the wrong way. And um, the second reason is the fact that she went out of her way to set up George with that one friend of Hugh's that like likes ham and that's his oh. only personality trait. Oh. Like that's not a good friend move. And like I know Pinky isn't a good friend like all the time and I feel like George expects that, but that's just really mean. Yeah. She never really paid attention to anything that George said. Mm-hmm. Any any kind of, like, vibes that she put out, Binky was just like, hmm, pretend I do not see it. Uh, <laughs> like, the only, the only time that she listened to anything that George asked her to do or not do was when she said, please don't talk about the divorce with my mother. Like, just make up some kind of lie. Like, say a celebrity died or something. That was the only time. <laughs> she said that Tim Allen died. <laughs> just, like, comedic gold. <laughs> like, yeah, she just... 
I didn't understand why, and I, I, I understood, but didn't understand why George really spent time around any of those people. Um, Hugh, the ham guy whose name I don't remember. It's irrelevant. He doesn't need a name. He's fine. Because like, he kept getting invited to the dinners and stuff. And so I was like, why is he in the friend group now? Um, but yeah, I just, I thought that like, Binky and Hugh both just seemed like people that George had outgrown. Mm-hmm. Um, and like she stated, you know, like she didn't really know how to not hang out with them anymore. Um, but I just, yeah, I just wanted better for her. I wanted her to have better friends. Mm-hmm. And it just, it sucked, like, the way that she had to, I mean, not had to, but, like, the way that she came out to them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I just, ugh. I just wish that she had a better support system because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. they sucked and they didn't care about anybody other than themselves. Somehow they're going to be having a baby. Um, yeah, somehow. <laughs> Which, oof. oof. <laughs> I just, I just want them to just go, like, Binky and Hugh just, ugh. Yeah, like, I, I understand why we needed them in the show, and it was, you know, to um, to show that, like, that's exactly how George was in the past. Yeah. And, you know, kind of show how she felt stuck in trying to maintain her past personality and, like, uphold these friendships that, like, she really didn't want to keep up anymore because mm-hmm. they were clearly weighing on her. But, um, and, like, I guess in that, like, Binky and Hugh did their jobs and they did them well. But <laughs> I, ooh, after after the proposal, I could not, like, look at Binky on screen. It drove me crazy. <laughs> yeah, I think the scene that did it for me was when they were outside of the the sex shop. Yes. And... I was just like, girl, you're grossed out by dildos. What the fuck is wrong with your sex life? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, she just, she just seemed so, like, like I kept thinking of like the whole British stiff upper lip stereotype, mm-hmm. and it just like kept being binky. Like, like I felt like I was getting hit over the head repeatedly (laughs) and she just oh she was draining Hugh was draining Mm -hmm. um and then they ended up buying the big inflatable dildo anyway so like I didn't I don't know um (laughs) (laughs) that that's something we just gotta leave there (laughs) we can't even go into that um but yeah and like okay the other name on our list was like equally as draining to look at um and that's arnie rivers who was who i oh man i understand why they made him george's like childhood dream husband etc um 
But he was the worst. Even before we were all aware that he was a nightmare human being. Mm-hmm. And like, even when he was like trying to, when he became friends with May at the club and et cetera. Um, I don't know. He still drove me crazy. I still did not like him. Yeah, I wasn't really fond of him either. And I didn't think that he was really that funny. Mm-mm. Like as a comedian. Um, like the card trick that he did was impressive once um but like yeah i don't know i just i definitely get george being obsessed with him like as a movie star um even though the comedy was never there uh even like the old stuff that she showed me yeah (laughs) and may did not laugh like that was me i was like this isn't funny george um it's not poor girl (laughs) figure it out please i just yeah i i was happy that he didn't ended up being a character that we were like forced to like or like sympathize with Mm -hmm. i'm not at all happy to see that he was an asshole and an abuser but you know yeah I yeah, I was happy that I didn't have to be like, oh, okay, redemption arc. No, he yeah, just, he sucked. Mm-hmm. And I was I was really happy to see Nick um, step up and be a good friend to me in that scene, and like be protective of her against Arnie. Yeah, and kick him out. Yeah, and yeah. I I really liked that because. Yeah. Nick had his moments for me where I was like, oh, no, no. Um, <laughs> but but yeah. yeah, yeah, I agree. I'm glad. I'm I'm glad that they kind of gave Arnie like a mini redemption arc where he like kind of started to sound like a good guy and he was kind of fine. But like, I'm glad that didn't continue. And I, I agree. I hate the, that that's the way it had to happen. But I'm glad that we didn't have to. We weren't stuck sympathizing with him as well. Mm-hmm. So as you've seen so far, it is very difficult to discuss the show in any way without bringing up May and George's relationship. Mm-hmm. It's like the framework and we follow, even even though like episodes are about other things, like we follow their relationship as they go through all of those other little events. I don't know. What are, what are your thoughts on their relationship? Um, well, for one, it's really refreshing and exciting to see a queer story about a queer relationship written by a queer person. Mm -hmm. Um, But also, at the same time, I thought that it was really really great to see a relationship not always work out like I didn't I didn't want to go into this and then just I don't know just like see this like super idyllic happy thing forever yeah because I I I think that that's just not true to real life Mm -hmm. um and I think that we get a very real relationship with May and George. 
Oh, absolutely. I I love that we skipped through the honeymoon phase in the mm-hmm. first five minutes of the show. Like, I'm glad that we got to see their relationship from the onset of, like, them meeting to, um, are they breaking up? Are they not breaking up? We don't know at the end. Yeah. Um, but I am really glad we just skipped through, like I said, the honeymoon phase and right on into May moving in and them working to take their relationship to a new level that it, it, it sounds like may has been at before but george clearly has not been at mm-hmm. um and then having then being able to see them work through all of the speed bumps that come up yeah yeah something that i i liked that got brought up really early on and stays you know a pretty focal point of discussion is being in a relationship with someone who probably still considers themselves themselves straight for the most part Mm -hmm. um and someone who hasn't dated another queer person before um both being that person and being the person who's in a relationship with them, like getting both sides of that dynamic and really just like exploding it. Like I really, really, really liked the party scene as painful as it was to watch for May. Um, Just getting George to be in a position where she could be honest with her friends, even though there's still an immense amount of pressure on her. Mm -hmm. Um, Getting to see that tension develop and seeing May stick up for herself. Yeah. um, And eventually talking about it in standup. I just, I liked, yeah, I just, I just really liked, seeing them work actively on the problems that they had. Like, mm-hmm. I I don't know. I, I haven't watched something about a relationship in a while. So maybe it's just like. Yeah, no, I feel like I feel like watching them work through things is something that usually does not happen when portraying relationships and especially repre- like portraying queer relationships in media. Yeah. Um, and I, I like that for both of them, there was like one very big issue that they, that each of them had. And then it felt like each episode and like each stage in their relationship, they were like trying different tactics to fix that one thing that they both had. Mm-hmm. And it was like frustrating to see them do it in different ways and then have it just not work and like fail miserably um, because I'm so emotionally attached to this relationship. But <laughs> <laughs> but just seeing them work through things in that way, I thought was really nice to see and really nice to put on screen. Yeah. And I, I feel like we've we've been talking a lot about the conflict but the tender moments are very great too oh, it's they're not so good. 
it's we're not saying that this show <laughs> needs more conflict because it really does not. Um, no. I I loved seeing all of the very sweet domestic moments too. Mm-hmm. Um, or you know after George came out like very publicly and not necessarily in the way that she had intended um her like popping up to see may at the meeting and being like please just hold me like very tender like (laughs) they were very sweet together and not always you know like one of the things that i like also about the show is that you don't really know whether or not they're good together Mm -hmm. especially by the end like oh yeah Oh, yeah, I loved how at the end, we not only didn't know if they were going to stay together, but like you as a viewer were conflicted about whether or not you actually want them to be together. Yeah, because I don't know. I, I I think ideally I would love for them to end up together. Mm-hmm. But I, I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I wish they could get back together after they both figure things out because mm-hmm. I love seeing them together but I feel like the time that they got together was not ideal for both of them and I think that's what is shown personally like, personally what I think is shown through the show which is such a conflicting idea to have like it kind of sucks but yeah because you want to root for them mm-hmm but yeah, I think I think where they both are right now, I I don't know if they're necessarily the best for each other. I don't really think May needs to be in a relationship with anybody. Yeah, agreed. I don't know. I was excited low key about her going to Canada for a bit. Um just because I I thought that she needed like that space or physical distance to just kind of not necessarily like completely disappear off the face of the earth, but just to get some distance away from really everything, including comedy, relationships, the UK just getting some time away by herself Mm -hmm. like just to recalibrate yeah yeah yeah. and to I don't know spend time with her parents but in a way that's different than the Skype calls or how their relationship used to be before they kicked her out Mm -hmm. um Yeah, just, like, her figuring out who she is independent of other people. Yeah. Like, especially because one of the major through lines in this show is how May... How May's relation... Like, relationship um, affects just about every other aspect of her life. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And, like, that's that's done really well. Like, um through the problems that she gets herself into and um also like the way the show is set up 
how um like how the show itself doesn't focus on their relationship but their relationship is like important in just about everything else that happens in the show which <laughs> sounds a little messy but like it makes sense kind of yeah yeah um so like in seeing all of that you you really are rooting for her at the end to get some space and come back to herself, which sucks because that happens at the exact same time that George comes out to her mom. Yeah. <laughs> which sucks you back into wanting them to be in a relationship. And it's, it's very, it's very artfully done, but. Oh, yeah. I, Oh, I was, Oh, <laughs> I had so many conflicting emotions in like the last five minutes of that episode. Because I was like, oh, yeah, they're going to have really the, the really tough conversation that they need to have about how they just probably are not right for each other right now. But, like, you know, there can be hope, maybe. Mm-hmm. And then May's about to talk about how she's going to leave. And then George is just yeah. <laughs> had this super huge step that she's taken. Um Ah, yeah, and then it just ends, like... Yeah, you don't even know! You, you, don't, you know. don't even know what happens! <laughs> you don't even know. <laughs> it just cuts off. We just have a kiss as a cliffhanger. You get emotionally, like, sucker-punched back-to-back-to-back for, like, <laughs> <laughs> the whole, like, 25-minute episode. And then at the end, it's like, oh, whoops. We're leaving oh, you there. God. But it's so good. That's it what is, makes it so good. It's so good. And it, like, again, I don't, we talked about it briefly, but, like, this show is so funny. It's so funny. Like, even when in the moments where, like, everything is going to shit and you're like, oh, my God, what else can go wrong? Like, there's still humor, which mm-hmm. I think just reflects back onto how realistic this show is or you know how much may may martin the writer um and her co-writer have spent time just trying to make this show human just like as human as possible like of course it has stories and a very clear message well a few very clear messages but it's not like instructional. Yeah. Yeah, no, this is easily one of the most real shows I've seen in a very long time. Mm-hmm. Which was so refreshing, which was honestly probably why I like have only watched it in like one speed through, which <laughs> made me live <laughs> and die a couple times. But <laughs> but I don't know, that's kinda that's kind of the way you have to watch it. Like you get sucked in. Just because yeah. you're you're living all of this actively with everybody there. Yeah, like you don't wanna stop it mid midway because yeah, you do feel like a fly on the wall, really. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, you just get so emotionally invested in all of the highs and lows. Mm-hmm. Like I I was really proud of 
both May and George at different points in the show and severely disappointed in others. Mm -hmm. And I think that, yeah, I think that that's a good thing. Like this show really hits at your feels. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Good. Good job, May Martin. Good job, May Martin. Okay, so for our next segment, um, we've been talking about her, um, but we wanted to include an actual segment about Mae Martin, the real person. Um, One, because this is the first time that they've acted... um, not since they've done comedy it's been a long time actually um but doing something like this while also having it be a semi-autobiographical project um it's pretty huge Mm -hmm. um yeah it's an endeavor um writing out like drawing from like personal experiences and um, writing all of this into a comedic script. And then not only like acting in a show that you've written, but playing yourself in a show that you have written. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's impressive. It's impressive. Um, I did. I listened to a few interviews um, and read a couple articles about the show, about May. Um, and I thought that it was really interesting that the version, or May the character at least, um, the version of May that we see in the show, um, described by May Martin, is. Uh, may martin like 10 years ago Mm -hmm. um and i i don't know i guess i hadn't i hadn't thought about that distance when i initially went into the show i was just like oh like this is like pretty recent um and this is like like a why am I missing the word? Um, autobiographical. <laughs> I was going to say self-autobiographical, but autobiographical <laughs> literally is self. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I didn't think about um, the distance that it takes to write about yourself, mm-hmm. um, especially in such an open and vulnerable way. Uh, Because this is something that, like, is pretty common in a lot of May's stand-up routines. Like, she's really open about her life, things that are weird and awkward and uncomfortable for her and turns them into stand-up routines, which we do get to see in the show. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, I just I thought it was cool to see the intersections between real life somewhat and fiction. Mm-hmm. And like I, I agree that it um, that I I also had no idea that it was 
um, a version of me that was like 10 years ago. Um, just because like the way that may the character handles things and i guess like the way may the person wrote may the character (laughs) (laughs) to handle like um honestly the fluidity of gender and sexuality was something Mm -hmm. that just those discussions felt so modern and like i know 10 years ago was like still modern and like these things were coming up then because clearly may the person was doing comedy about them but the the struggles that the characters have within those topics is something that feels extremely current. Yeah. Yeah. I would even say about a lot of the addiction conversations as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I think that people, larger society, at least I haven't noticed it until recently, but like the conversations around addiction um, and with addicts, people talking about addiction beyond substance and even within substance abuse, um, how addictive behaviors can manifest in so many different ways and how that can follow you throughout your life. Mm-hmm. Um I think, yeah, that in a way also felt very rooted in the now, which I think is the point. Um, Yeah. Like, I think we're supposed to look at this show and look at the version of May that we see in the show as like a very current, like present thing, which is important because there is somebody like the May that we see who exists mm-hmm. in the world right now, even if it isn't who May Martin is anymore, um, because obviously she's in her thirties now. Mm-hmm. Um, she's pretty successful. Um, yeah, there are like obvious v- differences in just like life state and maturity and all of that, but. Yeah, it it kind of feels like in a way the show is like kind of a conversation between the two Mays. I don't know if that makes sense. Oh no, that I'm makes just sense. going off on a tangent. <laughs> no, I think that I think that makes total sense. Um because just the way that the material is discussed in the show, it like feels cathartic, not only for May like as a writer but mm-hmm. i guess for everyone watching as well um which is like um something that she talked about in her interview with the guardian at everybody you should check out that interview because it's mm-hmm. actually it's really really good it's really good um but yeah like she she brings up how um people who have seen like her stand up react in that way that it's like cathartic and that they've learned things about themselves watching those specials. And then that's also happened in the reception of feel good. Mm -hmm. Um, um, But like at the same time, I thought it was wild how in the interview she said that it's like this show is specifically comedy and not therapy. Yeah. For her. Um, just because like it does feel so therapeutic for pretty much everybody involved in this piece audience included um that the 
so I don't know. It 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 hits me that May still considers this first and foremost just a different form of like more emotionally connected real comedy. Yeah. I I would agree with that cuz I I think I initially walked away from the show thinking like, "Oh, wow, this must have been like such a cathartic thing." Mm-hmm. Um and like, "Oh, man, such a great use of like your own life experiences to tell a story but like it's it's more than that Mm -hmm. and at the same time just like isn't that like I don't want to say it's not that deep but like in a way kind of like yeah yeah like the point of it is not to overthink it the point of it is just to feel it yeah feel good (laughs) (laughs) that was so bad (laughs) but that's the point like that's that's the point of the piece yeah I agree and I think which we've like mentioned a lot in this episode but like just making really human conversations happen Mm -hmm. um like I, I really, really liked that scene um, in, I, oh, I don't remember which episode specifically, but I want to say the third one, maybe the second one. Um, but when May, May decides to actually talk in the NA group mm-hmm. and talk about addiction and how it 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 can and often is be beyond drugs um which was like even a revelation for people in the group Mm -hmm. it gave them a different perspective on just like what they're dealing with on a day-to-day basis i i really liked getting to see her have interactions with people that she didn't really like necessarily yeah but had some kind of a a common shared experience with like the scene with her and David toward the end Mm -hmm. um where they're both like I don't like you but um (laughs) like moments like that where you really just saw people having a conversation to the point where it didn't feel like a TV show anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I really liked that. And I think the show being semi-autobiographical in its nature really works for moments like that. Oh, yeah. And like any of those moments where characters just openly and like will bluntly discuss things that, you know, socially people believe to be like taboo or whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, um... I, this is going to sound so strange, but I just loved the openness of them, like, speaking about their sex life, George and May. Yeah. Um, Just because that is something you don't see. And, like, it's, it, like, just something you don't see in, like, normal media, but it's something that does happen on the regular. Um, So it's, like, refreshing to see people have these conversations on a screen. 
I agree. Usually when we get sex in TV shows or in movies, like it's always like the really erotic parts of sex or like the Mm -hmm. great parts of sex. Or even if it's talking about sex that's bad or sex that's uncomfortable, like it doesn't really talk about why or what people are feeling Mm -hmm. um, or even what people need. Like I... I really, really appreciated the conversations, um, mostly led by May, but sometimes by George, just about what they needed from each other. Oh, big time. Um, in sex, in the relationship, like, yeah, the the Susan Sarandon bit. <laughs> <laughs> that was incredible. <laughs> That was so good. That was really good. <laughs> that was really good. Or like when George tried, bless her heart, tried to like dress up, yeah. um, even though it was a terrible, terrible idea. Um, yeah. And it was it was good because it was awkward, but it was yeah. funny. And that's how those things go down in real life. Yeah, exactly. And now we come to the best part of the episode. (laughs) Um, Just as a quick little refresher, um, the Michelin stars are a rating system used for restaurants. And if you're wondering, yes, they are, in fact, run by the Michelin Tire Company. Don't tell me why. (laughs) (laughs) But they are, in fact, the same thing. Um, So... (laughs) One star um, signifies a very good restaurant. Two stars um, is excellent cooking that is worth a detour. And three stars is exceptional cuisine that is worth a special journey. And we have given Feel Good a drumroll, please. Three stars. Woo! Woo! We love this show. <laughs> we we love this show. And I feel like we've made it very clear why <laughs> why yeah. we are so connected to this show and why everybody should find it and watch it. It's only we we really haven't mentioned the format at all. Um but it's Mm-mm. only it's only 6 episodes long and each episode is between 20 and 25 to 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um I think actually most of them are closer to 25. So it's like you can seriously sit down and start it and be done in a couple hours. Mm-hmm. And you'll have felt like so much time has passed. Yeah. And then you'll look at your phone or your clock or whatever you tell time from and be like, how has it only been? Because it it really just goes like that like it's it's a really enjoyable binge watch Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it gives you exactly what you need in the amount of time that you need it Mm -hmm. which i think is oh i don't know if we've said that about anything else on this podcast (laughs) (laughs) but it's but it's true it's it's very it's given to you in a very palatable way and you will not regret savoring it all of it and it's funny, like we've we've said it in basically every single segment, but like this show has so many one-liners. 
and they're all incredible. They are all so off the wall, but they are perfect. They are so good. <laughs> it is just so well written and it's so well performed and it just, uh, it looks so good. It makes you feel a lot. Like, what more could you ask for? Lisa Kudrow is playing the mom um, and she's fantastic. <laughs> oh, she's fantastic. She kills it. It just—it's—it's it's a good—it's a good show, and the cast is really, really talented. And May Martin did a really good job for one taking on a project of this size, but also acting for the first time. Acting's fucking hard. Yeah, and to have to act out your own story—not always, but your own story—sometimes I can imagine is just really really difficult Mm -hmm. um and it's so it's so great it's so good i i really cannot say that enough it is easily one of my favorite shows yeah and one of one of my favorite things that i've watched for the podcast so far oh absolutely maybe my favorite yeah might be my favorite actually yeah i would second that i think it i think it is my favorite and that's amidst all of the um, classics that <laughs> we love. <laughs> the classics, i.e. the Firefest documentary. <laughs> and Forever Strong. And Forever Strong. <laughs> and not Breaking Bad. Um. <laughs> Sorry, folks. Sorry, folks. It'll oh, maybe eventually grow on us. We'll get to that later. Mm, doubt it. <laughs> but y'all should watch this instead. Don't Absolutely. watch. Do do not watch Breaking Bad. <laughs> watch Feel Good. Watch it five <laughs> times in a row so you can hit your five seasons and then just call it a day. And then at Netflix and tell them to give us a season two. Mm-hmm. Because it's it's in their hands. <laughs> Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed listening to this week's episode, be sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever it is you're listening and to follow us on our socials at the Watchlist BU1 on Twitter and Instagram. If you have thoughts on this episode that you'd like to share, or if you hated everything we said, please drop us a voice message on our website. On our next episode, we'll be covering God's Own Country. Happy watching, and don't forget to do the reading. Watch, 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 watch.